0: now, David Fiorazzo.
1: Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, and thank you so much for tuning into this edition of Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour today, and let's get right to our opening, as we always ask God for wisdom here before we open every podcast. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you for giving us another opportunity to speak the truth, um, hopefully in love, but also informative, Lord, and from a biblical perspective, we Um, are trying to see what's going on in our country and what's going on in this world. Uh, And we understand you are sovereign. Help us to take that knowledge that we have of your ultimate sovereignty. You are in control, Lord. Help us get that from our heads down into our hearts so that we will not be shaken. And in order for us to do that, Father, we need to to continue to set our hearts and minds on you. And um, uh, we just thank you that we know the truth. We know your word and you have chosen us to go and bear fruit so give us wisdom and discernment today and every day we ask your blessings on those who are sick and uh, healing lord god we lift up those who are dealing with loneliness and fear particularly those who are in uh, senior citizen centers and nursing homes Um, god have mercy on them and the workers there in these nursing homes and uh, comfort them you are the god of all comfort lord so in their fear in their loneliness uh, in this time of uncertainty for any of us, even in the church who are struggling with this, Lord, um, we ask that you would bless and comfort those who need your touch right now. And we thank you, God, that we have a security in you that that will not be moved because we trust in an unshakable God. We thank you again for this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we welcome back John Haller. Just recently uh, watched his prophecy update from yesterday and so many uh, great updates and a lot of great information, John. Welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth, brother.
2: Good to be back with you again, David.
1: And thank you for all you do and all the research. I know you have you put a lot of time into these updates and a lot of um, <laughs> refuting some uh, things that are sent out as fact, but then it takes people like you to and I sometimes to look at these and go, "Well, wait a minute. Let's look at all the angles here. Look at the sources." and uh, i thank you for the extra mile that you go and before we get into the coronavirus effects and what's happening the 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 debate in the church about why uh, why we are still not meeting a lot of churches in america was there's a debate in christendom about that religious freedom and of course covid-19 but before we do that one thing that's fallen out of the news cycle is what's happening in israel i haven't heard a lot about Benjamin Netanyahu and how he's you know, putting together the government there? Or what's happening? Do you have the latest on that?
2: Yeah, there's there's a couple significant updates, and maybe we can break it into two parts. What's going on in Israel on the government side, and then sort of what's happening on the geopolitical side and Israel and its relations with countries surrounding it, Iran, Syria, Lebanon, that type of thing. So let's sure. first look at Netanyahu. Uh, Netanyahu was able to form a government with uh, some parts of the Blue and White Party. The Blue and White Party was formed essentially as a anti-Netanyahu party. Uh, their goal was to get Netanyahu out of office. Uh, of course, we went through four elections, and uh, that nobody was able to get the 61 seats in the 120-seat. Knesset to form a majority government and appoint a prime minister. Uh, so got, so for the last year and few months, uh, Netanyahu has been serving as prime minister in a, what they call a caretaker government. <clears throat> and uh, the uh, so the fi- last election, Netanyahu's coalition controlled roughly 56, 57, 58 votes, blue and white could have formed a coalition to maybe get over the 60 barrier but that would have required them to uh, go into a coalition with some of the Arab parties which are in many cases very very much against Israel hmm. and what happened was that uh, Blue and White wasn't able to do that uh, Blue and White had joined with some pretty radical left wing parties again the only thing that united them was to get rid of Netanyahu Mm-hmm. Um, blue and white, uh, under the leadership of Danny Gantz, eventually said, "Okay, look, we'll we'll enter into a uh, in a unity government for a period of time. These are supposed to last five years. I doubt that this will last five years." Uh, Netanyahu has been a masterful politician and negotiator. The way he is, uh, at different times, brought you know the Orthodox parties into his coalition and the parties representing the settlers. Uh, So long story short, they were able to form a government with 71 or 72 seats uh, that did not include the Yamina party, which is Natali Bennett, who has been serving for the last six months as the defense minister of Israel. So they have said that they will be in the opposition. Netanyahu will serve as the prime minister for 18 months. Uh, The betting in Israel is that uh, the coalition will somehow fall apart at the end of 18 months before Gantz takes uh, power, is supposed to s- step into the prime minister's seat. So it's wh- whatever's going on there has just been postponed a bit. It's, uh, it's a crazy parliamentary system, and they have all these little parties that form, and as long as they get like 3% of the vote, they're allowed to have members in the Knesset. Mm. So for now... Netanyahu is the prime minister.
1: Okay. However, yes.
2: <laughs> what's what's looming large though is this past week there were, despite the fact that the Knesset did pass a law saying that, uh, as you know, Netanyahu is under indictment on a number of charges for bribery and some other things. I think they're um, they're as weak as the case was against uh, Michael Flynn, General Flynn here in the United States. Uh, they're they're made up. They're they're not really. And it's because the attorney general, who was in Netanyahu's cabinet at one point, doesn't like Netanyahu. And so he sort of formed forces with the Supreme Court. The Knesset came in. And they said, listen, a, a, a person who's elected to a Knesset seat can form a government even if they're under indictment. Indictment is not a conviction. A lot of people don't realize that. Just because they bring a case to you against you doesn't mean that it's valid. Right. So uh, there was a petition filed by a bunch of people, uh, some one party, um, Yavir Lapid and his group, which was sort of radical left wing. He filed a petition with the Supreme Court saying, well, we don't care what the law is. The Supreme Court should decide um, that Netanyahu can't form a government. So there was a big hearing on that last week. And the Supreme Court, to the surprise of many, voted, I think, 11 to 0 to say, no, he can form a government. Whether he can continue to serve if he's he's convicted is another issue. But the Israeli Supreme Court is very corrupt. They have set up a a situation where the Supreme Court essentially gets to uh, appoint its replacements. So while the government does seem to be formed, and it is operating, and Netanyahu is supposed to be the prime minister for 18 months, Netanyahu is supposed to go on trial on May 24th in just two weeks. So we don't know exactly uh, how that's going to play out because that could throw a wrench into this agreement where they will serve for uh, 24 months. So I, I, the only thing I can say is when you when you study Israeli politics, you uh, you begin to appreciate the calm, ordered nature of American politics. <laughs> uh, calm, <like> ordered. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if you think ours is bad, try living under that mess. <laughs> Wow. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It's, uh, so there, uh, and then, you know, all this is coming up in the middle of this coronavirus and Israel's been shut down for, you know, as long as the United States lockdowns have occurred. <clears throat> there is, um, you know, tourism is such a big part of uh, is the Israeli economy and everything's, everything's canceled. I mean, I have a friend who, uh, does uh, you know many tours to Israel for different people? She puts them together, and she has nothing until 2021. Wow! And that I mean that's just it, it's shocking. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've been to Israel. We've been there a few times, and you know the the one thing that always impressed me is you know I, I travel quite a bit, uh, mostly in the U.S., but the massive size of the Ben Gurion Airport and the you know, the long walk you have from your plane to the uh, to customs is just uh, and th- that's because there's a lot of people that come through there.
1: It's a mass. I mean, that's one of their biggest uh, income making um, revenue that it comes from tourism. I mean, uh,
2: I, I would say that it's probably somewhere in the order of at least 40 percent of their yeah. GDP. Wow. Wow, so th- this whole—that just shut down.
1: Yep, and just this whole thing affect affects the world, affects all of us. Um, before we get into the uh, planned. Demick or the band Demick uh, that we, <laughs> we've been in. Um, you mentioned Michael Flynn, General Michael Flynn. Um, for those of us, uh, maybe a lot of our listeners that have just are really confused about what happened with him, because it was early on in the Trump administration. And um, one question that a lot of people have asked, why plea guilty when there was not adequate evidence against Michael Flynn? And what happened, John? Can you give, give us kind of like the nutshell uh, answer to that?
2: Well, having been uh, involved in the process, I know a little bit about how it works. I've, I've had some white-collar cases, and the, the practical effect of it is why plead guilty when there's no case or why plead guilty when this is General Flynn was under the threat of financial ruin, and threats were made— uh, I'm I'm almost assured that if you don't plead guilty, we will be going after other members of your family, mm. and we will ruin them also. I mean, wow. listen. Uh, one thing that people need to keep in mind is that politics and uh, related criminal justice cases are not beanbag. These this is this is stuff where people go to destroy other people. Uh, so, uh, I personally thought that the, what they did to General Flynn and there has been this trend in the Justice Department for some time now. You can go back and look at it the cases like Martha Stewart and her uh, insider trading thing. The insider trading case against Martha Stewart fell apart. She'd given an FBI interview. And during that of course of that FBI interview, she said something that was not truthful. But in complicated cases, this is a very difficult a situation because um, I'm, I'm thinking of a case that I was involved in. What happens is that the government will come into you, and this happened down in the Enron case and elsewhere. And some of the same people involved in that Enron prosecution were also involved in the on the Mueller team uh, as that was going after Michael Flynn. They they will bring you into a room. You'll have an FBI interview. They will have massive numbers of documents, boxes, computers, all this stuff, and you sit there with nothing. And then they will ask you questions that essentially amount to a memory test. And so unless the witness is prepared, the witness can very easily say, no, I never sent that email. That immediately, if they have an email that contradicts that, they could charge you with lying during an investigation. It is, (laughs) I think, um, a rather... Uh, It's used by prosecutors to get people that they might not otherwise be able to get. Mm. Unbelievable. So, so when you, and so, listen, when, when you sit there and testify, this is going Martha Stewart, general Flynn and all this stuff goes through your head. And so unless you're very careful about how you answer questions, or say, listen, I, I don't remember doing that, but uh, it's very possible that I did. The government will come after you. And this is this is how they get people when they don't have anything else. But the problem here in the Flynn case was that the whole premise for them to even conduct the in- investigation was complete, uh, was, was non-existent. And so that's why when Sydney Powell got involved, she took up the cause. For Flynn, he had had a big New York, a uh, DC law firm uh, that was representing him, and uh, they turned over documents to Sidney Powell, and they 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 were even holding back documents wow. from from him. Hmm. They represented him, and Sidney Powell got a hold of these. She took them to the doc to the judge and. Um, presented them to the attorney to the Department of Justice, Attorney General Barr. I think to his credit, appointed a uh, a person that was sort of outside of that whole system to take a look at it. And he said, "Listen, you, uh, there, there's no prosecution that we can do here." Wow. So the whole thing was going to fall apart, and he said, "We're withdrawing the case."
1: Incredible. So.
2: I, I'm just telling you, I, I've seen this happen. Uh, it, it's something the worst, even worse than an FBI interview is somebody being uh, because of an FBI interview, the witness very often. I mean, we know, for, for example, from Hillary Clinton, she had uh, some of her attorneys at the FBI, interview. some of whom, by the way, were also people who were to uh, be under investigation <laughs> uh, and and then they get a preview of everything. And the whole system, it, it was it's really an example of some of the worst corruption, I think, in American history. I think it's egregious. I think it needs to be dealt with. Uh, I hope that this doesn't end with Flynn's case being withdrawn. I hope that there are things that are followed up on. But I know there's a a group of people out there that believe there's thousands and thousands and thousands of sealed indictments. I see no evidence for that. I've drilled that into the data. Um, and I've often said, look, uh, you know, I don't think there's going to be thousands of people going to jail. If there's eight, 12, 15, 20, I'll be thrilled to that. That even get charged. And but what, the, the more difficult thing than just the FBI interview, if I could just clear sure, that up Sure. is when you get subpoenaed to the grand jury, because when somebody goes into a grand jury, you're in a room with the prosecutors and the prosecution team. And it may be four or five people there, you know, that are feeding the prosecutor that's running the grand jury, 23 people on the grand jury and you and no attorney to object to anything. So it's a, it's a totally secret process. Um, so that that's, that's even more difficult. So if you like to agree a jury, you're going to get charged with the same thing that Mike, Michael Flynn got charged with. And listen, these things cost. I have worked with big D.C. law firms in litigation before. And I've seen, I mean, this is 20 years ago. I've seen the bills that the D.C. litigation people, I've seen $1.5 million bills from one month on one case from one firm in, wow. in DC. So it doesn't take long to completely bankrupt the person. And so I think that entered into general funds calculus.
1: Wow. Okay, um, we've That's only got my opinion. All right, we've only got a couple minutes left, John, we've got to take a break in, in about two minutes. But um, when we come back after the break, I've got some information from a local hospital uh, that they're so well-prepared for COVID-19 testing and all the equipment they have, and I think hospitals around the country are ready, and yet we're still locked down. We're going to talk about that, plus speculation that as churches begin to reopen, some say there's going to be possibly a 30% decrease in attendance because people are, I guess, enjoying watching online videos. I doubt that, but I want to ask you about one article. Molly Hemingway over at The Federalist did an article saying that uh, Susan Rice's Inauguration Day email about uh, this meeting. Obama and Biden had an Oval Office meeting on January 5 after Trump was elected. It was key to an entire anti-Trump operation and Susan Rice's email about that explains the campaign leaks, um, some lies and the obstruction that followed. Have you seen information on that since uh, about you know the campaign that began way back then. Have you seen this yeah, article? Yeah, I think
2: there, a couple resources that people ought to. Molly Hemingway has done some phenomenal work at analyzing tearing this apart. And another person who's done a lot of great work on this is Kimberly Strassel at the Wall Street Journal. He has written extensively about the whole russia um, field investigation and everything. And uh, you know, my personal opinion is that. Russia sort of designed this to kind of get us fighting among ourselves to kind of weaken our government, It's what they do, mm-hmm. they do it very well. And so but I think Molly Hemingway's article and then other related articles by Kimberly Strassel last week in the wall street journal, and you can find, I'm sure you can find videos of her. She's, um, I think I saw her on a TV, a Fox show the other day. Uh, they have both done just uh, tremendous work in, in pulling out. And so I agree with Molly Hemingway that, this very strange self-serving email that Susan Rice wrote to herself to sort <laughs> of uh, rewrite history mm-hmm. and, and cover herself over. And so this, this I see this happen a lot, is people do these self-serving emails, or I might add to you and suggest to you, and we can talk about it later, self-serving lawsuits. And allow them then to take up, say, later, well, look at look at what I filed in court. Even though it's totally bogus mm-hmm. or made up or unsupported, it, it, I don't know the term. I'm trying to think of the term. I want to say it's rewriting history by lawsuit or by self-serving email. Mm. I, I see it a lot. Look, and I know people do this. It's called, you know, covering your rear end. Um to give you something to talk about later. I I see it happen all the time.
1: Well, one problem that a lot of us have, and we've got to take a break, John, um, is that we are convinced at this point, first of all, the media cannot be trusted any longer. They no longer serve the people. um, Or they don't seek the truth like they used to maybe 50 years ago. But the problem is uh, liberal Democrats have no accountability. They're not going to be prosecuted. They're not, these things are not going to be followed up on, especially I mean, Obama is the golden boy. He's, he's ultimately protected. I can't imagine anything ever coming back to him and his administration. But I, I hope I'm wrong. But it, just the way that Republicans try to follow up on this stuff, they're always getting attacked. They're always on the defensive. So uh, who knows what's going to happen. But we're with John Haller. We're going to talk about a little bit of the information he shared in his Prophecy Update yesterday and which is phenomenal, by the way. We'll link that to the podcast. Plus, talk about some hospitals and how they are—they have been ready, and they are laying people off. They are so ready for any uh, coronavirus uh, increase in uh, cases and hospitalizations, and a whole lot more when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth.
0: Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth. With David Fiorazzo,
1: we're with John Haller, and we are going to be talking about the worldwide lockdown uh, that may be the greatest mistake in history, according to so many, including uh, Dennis Prager, conservatives, a lot of Christians, and a lot of people who value their freedoms—not not not just religious freedom, but just their freedoms. But John, before we get into all this, talk about the hospitals and some facts about COVID nineteen. You wanted to wrap up with a couple thoughts on the Middle East.
2: Yeah, you know, look, we know in Bible prophecy that the Middle East is really the epicenter of where things will, a lot of things will unfold in the end times. Mm-hmm. So I just want you to know that there have been some very significant developments in Syria, which borders on Israel. A few weeks ago, there was a series of editorials and articles that started appearing in the Russian press that started talking about Assad and the corruption in the Assad regime. A lot of people who watch what goes on at the Kremlin are taking that to mean that Russia has essentially said, we're done with Assad. We're not going to support Assad. He's supposed to be up for election. Assad is in a fake election. He usually gets about 98, 99 percent of the vote, amazingly. Um, He's up for election in 2021. His approval ratings in Syria are down in the 30 percent range. One of the members of the Assad clan, uh, which we would here call, you know, sort of a mafioso group, uh, who's probably the richest man in Syria, has come out very critical of his cousin, uh, Bashar al-Assad. And so there's a lot going on there. And so the thinking as that Russia has sort of made the determination is that we got into Syria because we hope to get the multibillion dollar contracts to rebuild it. But we expected that money to come from the United States and Europe. But the corruption of the Assad regime is so rampant and so deep that Europe and the U.S. are not going to participate in this. So right now it looks like, at least the way some watchers are thinking of people watching this, is that Syria is going to be divided up into about four parts. Hmm. There'll be a Russian-controlled part. There'll be a Turkish-controlled part. There'll be a part where the U.S. and Kurdish forces have control, and then the Syrian government will have their uh, their Alawite uh, Shiite-related enclave along the coast there near Latakia and down to Damascus. So this, it's all very volatile. Russia is having tremendous financial problems because of the drop in oil prices. There are also pressures on Russia where Uh, Different uh, methods of getting gas to Europe, from which Russia gets most of its uh, gas revenues and really supports its government, are coming online. Israel's trying to build one that's going to take at least four or five more years, probably, from the Eastern Med to Europe. But uh, there's a Polish line that's coming in from the North Sea that'll be online much more quickly. So Russia has tremendous problems. They also have a problem with the coronavirus outbreak. (laughs) <laughs> Which is a way of just saying is uh, the situation there is as volatile as it's ever been. Lebanon is falling apart. Iran is having problems. Iran still wants to be there. Russia and Iran are starting to have some tensions over this. So it's be very mm. it's something people should really pay attention to.
1: All right. Well, let's come back to the United States, and uh, before we get into the medical, uh, the facts and. Uh, hospitals and uh, things like that. I wanted to ask you your just speculation on churches. Um, California, I know one article says 400 churches are trying to, uh, are planning on reopening um, in, uh, what is it, in a couple weeks. And then another article, Gateway Pundit, says 3,000 churches vow to defy Gavin Newsom's authoritarian coronavirus lockdown order. They're planning on reopening. I know in Wisconsin, I think there were 30 or 40 churches that have petitioned our uh, Emperor Evers, um, uh, Governor Governor Evers. And uh, so I want to get your take on that, how some churches are now, some are finally trying to say, wait a minute, we should be able to meeting if all these other places, like uh, Walmart, uh, you know, uh, uh, Home Depot, grocery stores, you can go to all these places and bump elbows with a lot of people and, and uh, we're not catching the coronavirus. So, John, your thoughts on that?
2: You yeah. know, I, I have said this in the past is I'm glad I'm not in charge of this thing. because <laughs> I think from a health and economic and public policy situation, I personally do not think that there has been a more difficult situation. And so, um, you know, we've all become amateur epidemiologists and microbiologists and that type of thing. and. Uh, everybody has an opinion. I'm concerned about churches not meeting. I don't think it's healthy. I do think there's, you know, there's a passage in Hebrews that says to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, mm-hmm. especially, especially as you see as the day the approaching. Day approaching so, yes. So at this time, I think we really got to be um, cognizant of that fact, and so it's a very, it's a, it's a balancing thing that you have to do. You know, we, uh, we have constitutional rights, but we also have responsibilities to be good citizens. And, and I'll be honest with you, David. I know that the group of elders that I'm on at uh, Fellowship Bible Chapel, it's, a, it's something that we're struggling with because we, we know that on the one hand, um, God protects us uh there's a lot of information about this virus and this thing that's all over the lot Mm
0: um
2: i think most you know the vast vast majority of people recover but there's there's some people that's just as i read the medical literature and stuff like that there's things going on with this virus that are just um that medical people are, are struggling to figure out what's going on. So for example, they're finding and doing some autopsies. And and the other thing too is the 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 real findings are you know a couple months behind what's going on on the on the ground in the hospitals right now. So so doctors are struggling like their autopsies are doing in Germany. They're finding a high incidence of deep vein thrombos- thrombosis. Which causes clotting problems. I've, I've read stories about brain clots and strokes in young people, and so I know that these are the very, very small, teeny tiny minority of the cases. But it is a reality, and there, you know, there are things that are just. When I look at, and I read a lot of different news sources, and so yeah, I might read the New York Times, but they may bring up a point, and I'll drill down into. Local, other local papers and that type of thing. And there's just like, you know, refrigerated trucks outside of hospitals full of bodies, uh, body-staffed carbon boxes in and, and, uh, funeral homes in Queens. In many, many cities, there's been a tremendous spike in the number of deaths. Not, not necessarily all COVID-related. I don't think they're all COVID-related. But in some places, like for a month, the death rates were 75% to 300% above what they normally were you know, on a, if you look back for many, many years on death certificates. Hmm. And so it's sort of like so in the context of that, you have something going on. So I think that each church needs to decide for itself. Mm-hmm. And whatever a church decides, the other churches that decide something different shouldn't judge that church and that church right. should
1: exactly. be
2: open shouldn't judge the churches that are not. Exactly. Because every congregation is different. So mm-hmm. one of the factors that our church is, you know, we have we have people that are currently, you know, undergoing treatment for cancer. We have elderly population mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So that factors into our decision. And I, I think what's going to happen is this: the lockdown orders are going to be relaxed here over the next month or so. And we'll find out if this is a problem or not. You know, it, it, is it going to spike or is it not? You know, there. And this, I'm just saying that from what I'm looking at, this virus, uh, to I, I disagree very strongly with people who say it's a complete hoax. Uh, somebody sent me a video of Alex Jones's voice. This whole thing is a hoax. Well, Alex Jones has caused, called a lot of things hoaxes yeah. <laughs> that have been demonstrably false. And I'm just saying this. If, if you want to say it's a hoax, you can do better than have a spokesman like Alex Jones supporting your position, okay? Yeah. There's, there's right. sci-fi evidence Drill down into the data. But to me, as I'm looking at it This one's really weird. And and one of the places, and I think we can now turn to your topic about hospitals. Yes. Um, One of the huge mistakes that was made in this was that everything in the world got directed towards fighting coronavirus. So in the initial outbreaks, it was we need to get people on ventilators. We have a shortage of ventilators. So we start producing more ventilators. The president puts in place the Defense Protection Act to get more ventilators. And then, you know, I think there's some support in the the way this is going, that maybe ventilators is not really the best treatment. What people need is oxygen. And so for example, I use a CPAP machine. It's it's it saved my life. I mean, and I, I can tell you I I skinny tiny friends who use CPAP machines, it saves their lives. Hmm. And so but now I get a notice from my CPAP supplier there's a shortage of CPAP supplies. Why? Because in some places they're buying up the CPAP machines to use it to give oxygenated, oxygen-rich uh, air to people through a CPAP rather than using a ventilator, which requires you to essentially paralyze a person, shove something down their throat. And you know, people I know that have been put on the ventilator are saying. I I think I'd rather die than be put on a ventilator again. And the percentage of people dying on ventilators is enormously high. So people are learning things. But what happened was everything was shut down to deal with this virus. And everybody else was told, stay away. I have a friend who just, um, her daughter had a a brain tumor. Uh, She was able to get surgery, but she could not go to the hospital to see her daughter. Her other daughter works in the hospital. She could not go to see her daughter because of this crazy virus thing. So, and so hospitals are shut down. We have a healthcare practice, hospitals are shutting down, doctors are being laid off, nurses are being laid off, and hospitals are losing revenue, and hospitals are on the verge of collapse in many places because everything was directed towards one. The whole focus was directed towards this virus, and the other part of the healthcare system has completely collapsed. I, I don't know how else to describe it, and so I, you know, I'm sort of lo- losing the ability to form the words because <laughs> they should have set up COVID hospitals and non-COVID hospitals the best they could. But and I think that what's happened is I do think there's you know in some places where there's an outbreak, people are dying from this. But there's a lot of people dying because they're not getting health care on things that chronic conditions that they may need or cancer treatment. Hmm. I talked to I heard somebody say me, you know, pray for my oh uh, well the pastor and his wife had a double mastectomy. And he was like, I praise the Lord she was even able to get in to get treatment because everything is shut down. What do you so mean? She's doing fine, but pray for her. But you know, it's just the whole system just it just, like, blew apart everything in the healthcare system. It blew apart everything in the economy. Um,
1: well, it did, John, but I've now we're, anything th- like it. we're three months in, roughly, you know, right. uh, three months in. And now I just want to read some information I got from um, local health organization, Bell & Health, um, and many other hospitals are putting this out to kind of calm the nerves of a lot of patients. Um, we have secured additional PPE as supplies have stabilized. We have greater access to COVID-19 testing, which is key to treatment and slowing of the spread of this disease. We have a comprehensive surge plan in place, staff, space, and supplies, so that we are as prepared as this situation is fluid and can change quickly. And that's just three of the bullet points out of about a dozen that they sent out right. in this mailer. And then I'm looking at s- some facts about COVID-19 from another uh, research uh, site, And it says, I'm just going to drop down to a couple of these, up to 50% of all additional deaths may have been caused not by COVID-19, but by the effects of the lockdown panic and fear. For example, the treatment of heart attacks and strokes decreased by up to 60% because many patients no longer dared go to the hospital. And so we're seeing a lot of this.
2: I talked about that a few weeks ago, that, you know, there's this very, as I said, this strange spike in deaths, and I I don't think they're all COVID related. No, they're not. Exactly what you said here, and so and and I don't know. I mean, um, and this is going to sound, you know, p- people will take this out of context and <laughs> pull the clip and say, "John Howler is a globalist." But listen, <laughs> what you have here is you have federal government, state government, local government, township government. You have hospital boards, and everybody's mm-hmm. doing something different. Mm-hmm. And it's very confusing. So there are, like, you know, walking in a park outside with nobody around and people are getting followed by drones and all this. This stuff is crazy. And so, look, I, I, I don't think the outbreak of this was planned. Um, but I do think that people with agendas are rushing in to take advantage of it. And mm-hmm. I see unions trying to get laws passed that that sort of their pet peeve you see the democrats and republicans in congress you know they pass these aid bills and everybody wants to tack on their little you know pet rider for their pet organization so it's it's just the whole thing is kind of out of control i guess is the, the way i would put it and there's not been a unified response, that's for sure.
1: Right, and then if you're on the side of, hey, let's try to you know start reopening things because this is really damaging not only the economy, but Americans, the, the mental and emotional health of people. You got people like uh, Timothy Egan of the New York Times describing Republicans who want to enable their states to open, describing them as the party of death now. All those who want to reopen businesses. Well, that's,
2: and get that's kind of... Uh, that's kind of an ironic statement. The the, the Democrats who support
1: abortion, uh,
2: far more abortions yeah. have taken place since this started. So now the Democrats are calling the Republicans the party of death. That's kind of a rich.
1: Yeah, isn't that? Um, but people kind of rich people buy it. Uh, John, we've got to take another break. Unbelievable. That uh, segment went by so fast. But before we do, just some some stats that I found fascinating uh, that help us keep things all covid things in perspective. The annual U.S. death statistics, and John, at at the other side of this break, if you want to comment on any of this before we get into more, um, abortion, 58 million lives lost every year, 58 million. Heart disease, 650,000 a year. Cancer, around 600,000. Accidents or unintended deaths, 168,000. Chronic or lower respiratory diseases, 160,000 deaths a year. Cerebrovascular diseases, 148,000. Alzheimer's, 122,000. Diabetes, 85,000. Influenza and pneumonia, around 65,000. Kidney disease, 51,000. Suicide, 48,000. Why do I bring that up? Coronavirus, right now in the United States, these are United States deaths between seventy and 80,000. So in light of all these other deaths and diseases and things we deal with every year, nowhere... Did anyone ever suggest shutting down the country? And I know there's a lot of unknowns and there's a it's a new virus. I understand that. But in light of all these other this is just death is part of life, not to say we are irresponsible. We want to be irresponsible, but let's keep it all in perspective. When we come back more with John Haller on Stand Up for the Truth.
0: Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo.
1: I want to quote Spurgeon before we continue. We're with John Haller today. Um, He said, God is both a wall and a well to his people, a wall to guard them from their adversaries and a well to supply all their needs out of his ever-loving I'm sorry, ever-living, overflowing fullness. So uh, God is a wall and a well to his people. I found that to be comforting. Um, John, I want to clarify something you said so people don't misunderstand um, that when you said the uh, coronavirus, there was no evil intent behind it, or however you phrased it, because, I mean, more uh, articles are coming out, more evidence that China really did uh, cover up this whole thing. And they asked the World Health Organization to, to do that as well. They're connected with them. So I want to give you a chance to just clarify for people who might want to take something you said and misrepresent you.
2: Yeah, look, I, I do think that clearly China covered things up, but I think they worked with the World Health Organization to do that. And China took some pretty severe responses to this uh, virus outbreak that they had. And there's a lot of evidence that maybe they've completely understated and misrepresented things. So I, I think – so there, that's clear, uh, and I think that once the crisis sort of started to spread and the Chinese model started to be adopted by everybody, shut everything down <laughs> with some modifications, but pretty much, you know, I see pictures of restaurants in South Korea where there's plastic, uh, there's plexiglass glass partitions. I should have invested in plexiglass. So I could do this for my private island because they're selling a ton of these things. There are partitions in restaurants uh, in the middle of a table. And it's just these, in that in South Korea, which has done pretty well with dealing with the virus. So I, I think, so clearly China covered things up, and I think we'll see a lot about that. Then the bigger question, too, is, was this a um, a weaponized form of a virus? Was it a natural occurring virus that was being studied in a lab and modified and got out and what or was it an intentional bioweapon release mm. as a lawyer i think you can make the case for any one of those conclusions right now and my personal opinion is we are in the middle i think of i, I, I don't know how else to say it um if well let me put it this way let's <laughs> let's take the what a scenario that if it is a bioweapon China got the biggest bang for a buck on a weapon in the history of mankind. Oh, my goodness, yes. It shut down economies all over the world. The economic, and I've tried to focus a lot. Well, I think there's some problems with the virus in some places where it's broken out. The economic carnage that's been caused. And I, I want to say this. i use used some charts. There's a, and I know it's the New York Times, but they do some good things at times. They have uh, NewYorkTimes.com slash Upshot, and you will get all kinds of charts and graphs. And the one they did this week that I thought was very good, I used part of it in my update yesterday to show that what, what was going on in economic activity going back into January, February, and they had graphs, and then they had gray area where the lockdowns started. And they had different places, severe lockdowns, moderate lockdowns, no lockdowns mm-hmm. at all. And in almost every case, the graphs are the same. The, the economic activity cratered, and then it went it, – it, it even with the lockdowns being relaxed a little bit, it's not really coming back. So because I think people are afraid, economic confidence, people maybe found out, hey, I don't like – I like eating better, and I eat better at home and more cheaply than I do in a restaurant. So <laughs> what I'm telling you is when China shut down for 75 days, that unleashed an economic contagion in the world – And there were people back in January, in fact, I did a show with somebody in uh, January 29th, and I said with the host, people need to start buying stocks of food to prepare for an economic crisis and food supply crisis. Because there were people talking about it, people were pulling things out of the market back in those days to protect themselves. But a lot of people, we had this huge debt-fueled bubble we had we had two trillion dollars in student debt we had 10 billion 10 trillion dollars in corporate debt we had 21 trillion in u.s debt which is now on a track to hit 35 to 40 trillion in very short term so Jeez. these this 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 mm. was going to happen personally i pulled out of the market a number of years ago and essentially put my stuff in cash knowing i would miss the run up And I will say, I'm not bragging. I've lost $4 in my main retirement account (laughs) over this whole thing. So, and other friends I had, you know, they're, you know, we're all even now. (laughs) Uh, Or they're, you know, they, I I have had friends that have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in 10 days. So Hmm. this was a debt fuel bubble. Uh, And so I think if you look at those charts in the New York Times, you will find out that the economic decline occurred before the lockdowns. The lockdowns have exacerbated it. They've made it worse. And I, I, like I said, I've never seen a more complex problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so do you want to be the governor of New York dealing with the problems that he's dealt with and the economy? And so the J.P. Morgan guy I cited yesterday, my my uh, Bob Michael, he said, listen, this it, by the end of 2021, we hope to be where we we were at in, in unemployment at the height of the 2008-2009 financial crisis. And he said, I don't think it will recover if it does for 10 to 12 years. So this is a very long-term problem. So China started this, mm-hmm. or said, or the outbreak occurred, and they said, okay, let's take advantage of this. They got a lot of bang for their buck. That's what I can say for sure. Yeah, because their economy so, was
1: tanking. There were protests in Hong Kong. You don't hear anything about that anymore.
2: No, I mean, well, that's that's kind of been shut down too. Mm-hmm. So, listen, a, a lot of things—the the, the rapidity with which this has happened—is stunning. I mean, listen, everybody says, well, you know, that it was just done to get Trump. I don't buy that. Okay, you know, it's but being I think people are taking advantage yes. of it. Yes, yes, it's being used to get Trump. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I mean, you can just peruse the mainstream media to get that idea. <laughs>
1: Unbelievable. But
2: this is happening all over the world. So I right. I think that we got to kind of step back at times and do some critical thinking and look at it. And it, it, this thing, this will be written about, if the war doesn't return, this will be written about in history books as to why did this happen? How did this happen? How did the fear and panic and everything spread? I mean, I, I did updates. I called one panicemic. Now I did one called Bandemic. And, um, because, you know, YouTube videos are getting banned and I don't like that. Mm. Even if they're a video that I, um, uh, agree with part of, uh, like I did a, a big thing yesterday on this pandemic thing that went completely viral. Right. I was going to ask you I about that. I got sent this thing hundreds of times and that, I was sitting there with my Facebook messenger and it popped up like eight times in two and a half minutes from <laughs> people. You have to watch this. Now, my first reaction was if the gospel was shared as much as people are sharing that, that's that video. Yes. The great commission would have been completed.
1: Oh my goodness.
2: Last week. So, and, but I think also you need to, there, there's some great um, uh, I think there's some debunking videos of pandemic. I drilled into the court records of this uh, Judy Mikovits. I think some of what she says is true, but the, the guy behind pandemic video and some follow-up videos and a lot of videos. I keep getting sent by people
1: <laughs> a
2: lot. There's a lot of new age stuff back there behind these doctors. And yes. says, well, oh yeah, but what they say is true. But listen, in the truth, we, should, should we be doing this passing along these guys who are, I mean, if, when you drill down into some of these guys and the stuff they say and the quantum consciousness and all this stuff, so whether Judy Mikovits is into that, I doubt that she is, but maybe she's getting used, too. Maybe she's getting played by this this Mickey Willis who did yeah. her video. So I think we need to do critical thinking. Yeah. You can find – there's a guy at creation.com that did it, biblical genetics, uh, Kate Justum. I played part of her video in my update yesterday. Uh, if people want to send me an email to get a link to that. They can, they can do that. Um, she's on Facebook, Kate Justum, J-U-S-T-U-M. She does very good. She's a Christian lady. And she says, look, some of the things that are the assertions made in that video, Plandemic, are not supported by evidence or the science. And I agree 100% with that. So I think what we need to do is we need to be, look, we can be against Bill Gates and the globalist agenda and ID 2020 and all this stuff, but we don't need to latch on to people who have, in my view, credibility issues or their own agendas. That's my concern. And so in social media world though, that, that never goes. For example, HR 6666, a view a, that a bill that was introduced or a resolution introduced in the house called the trace act to track people, even in their homes. It says it right there in the thing, funding a hundred billion dollars. I'm getting all these emails today. This passed the house. It did not pass the house. It was introduced. Okay. okay? Yeah. So people need to be do some fact checking before you just click forward and spread this stuff all over because when you do that, I think you're part of the problem.
1: Yes. Hey, John, we just got a minute left and I want to emphasize what you something you said that I think is, is profoundly important and true, and that if we were sharing the gospel as much as we share some of these—there might be some truth, I was going to say conspiracy theories, but conspiracy does not mean a bad thing necessarily, but all these videos, and I get a lot of them, and I'm going to tell you my personal— uh, on Facebook Messenger, if you don't tell me what's in the video, I'm not going to click on it. I'm going to delete it or let it go past. If you don't, if you just say, hey, watch this. Hey, before they take it down. By the way, my most, most recent uh, Facebook video uh, a friend of mine sent, listen, before they remove it, underneath it says, attachment unavailable, which is really fascinating. But, John, I know you get tons of people sending oh. you videos, and I will not listen if you don't describe what's in the video or tell me why I need to listen. If you just say, hey, watch this. I'm not going to even open it. What are your thoughts real quick? We've got a minute left.
2: agree 100%. I've told people that. I've also challenged people to go back. And so there's an assertion made about this, about Bill Gates or this. Okay, show me the evidence. Show me where that happened, where the documentation is. And very often what they'll do is, well, look at this. Somebody talked about it in this video. No, no drill down into it. Show <laughs> exactly. me the documents. Show me the lot. Listen, when Judy Mikovits hit the thing, I downloaded, I spent money downloading through pacer.gov, her court files. I drilled down with other attorneys and got her court files. I've read hundreds and hundreds of pages, pages of that.
1: Thank you for doing her that.
2: Cases buddy. fell apart. So mm-hmm. listen, do research don't sit. Research is not sending somebody another bit, a video that or, somebody's expressing
1: or forwarding case. something. Yeah. Just because it's popular right. and it's going viral, that doesn't mean it's all true. Thank you, John. Uh, I'm going to link up to Thank your you. prophecy update yesterday called Bandemic. Bandemic. Uh, it was really good, lengthy, but so much good information in it. And John, I'm going to have you back as soon as possible. So God bless you, brother. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. God bless. Thank you. John Haller, um, great prophecy updates. And I'm going to let you know who's on the rest of this week when we come
0: right back on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth.
1: I don't know how far I'll get. You know what? I'm not going to read this scripture, but uh, Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, verse 18 says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation, no matter what happens. This uh, verse at the end of Habakkuk was about when nothing was happening and uh, nothing was being cultivated. There was no produce. And we may see that, food shortages or whatever. Remember, we still have an opportunity to take joy in the God of our salvation. Tomorrow, Jay Segert and uh, we can't wait to catch up with him. Um, Julian Appling of Wisconsin Family Council and Heather Weininger of Wisconsin Right to Life will be with us later in the week. And then Friday, Dr. Andy Woods. Can't wait to get an update from him. Thank you again so much for listening to Stand Up for the Truth. God bless you, and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.